Hey, so good to see you today. And uh, lights are coming. There we are. And here comes the clicker, and we're good to go. The clicker unit, not the clicker human. <laughs> it's good to see you today. So uh, I got to share this with you. Sometimes your brain uh, gets stuck, and it's kind of fun when it gets stuck because you put, you put your head in a category, and then you realize, oh, wait, what was I thinking? Duh. So um, the Pap family got dressed up yesterday for Halloween. And uh, I know, right? Isn't Brian cute? Uh, so um, <clears throat> they got dressed up for Halloween. And like, um, Riley is the biggest Harry Potter nerd in the universe. Yeah. And so I'm looking at this going, that's the worst Harry Potter outfit I've ever seen. I didn't know he wore mustard yellow. I didn't know he wore Dwight Schrute. Gra oh, wait, he's Dwight Schrute. That's what's going on. We have the little office family complete with three-hole punch and... And Pam, isn't that fun? Yeah, so. I, f I figured the, the caption would have helped you there. Bears, beats, baby's first Halloween. Yeah, you got to understand. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was space <laughs> In boy. In a fog, so yeah. That was so fun. I don't know what you're dressing up like, but I hope you get a lot of candy. And again, I just have to share with you, if you are a male and you have children, there's a thing called a daddy tax. Make sure you take advantage of it. Ours usually went somewhere between 10 and 25%. And... Uh, Daddy got his candy. I'm so. finding out that all these, the peanut allergies that happen, like it's terrible. I feel so bad for all the kids that, that have that. However, I have been promised a lot of Reese's from, our, from students at school. They're uh. like, I can't eat them. I was like, well, I'll take them if you're, I mean, I, I, I don't want you to be harmed. So like, I'll, I'll take care of them, make sure you, they go you, to a safe disposal you are, place. You are so sacrificial. <laughs> so, so sacrificial. Honestly, most of the things going on in the update this week are things that have been in the message and will be in the message again, all related to what we're doing in terms of reading together, praying together, and being together. But there are a couple of things not in here that you really need to know about, like the fact that from here forward, the deaf ministry is weekly. This is awesome, weekly. It's so wonderful. And I, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're finally able yes. to move into a weekly mode. So you have somebody uh, in your family that is deaf, invite them. Or you have a coworker or a friend, invite them because there aren't many churches that are able to offer this. There aren't many people that are able to sign as well as Claudia. My, the extent of my signing is right here, you know. So there's your take about. Uh, so, you know, just to be able to have that is, is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Yeah. Thrilled with that. And then uh, the other thing I want to tell you about, so uh, yesterday, I, I've been the last couple of days at Green Lake. I'm on the board there, and, um, you know, it's funny just being there. I, every time I pull up, and it's not a student trip, I pull up and I go, man, this place is like so sad and lonely. I miss the kids. I miss all the fun. So they replaced it with some university students, was, which was okay, but it wasn't our kids. But um, I got home, and in the mailbox, there was a really nice card. So... Um, the, the, the property was developed about 120 years ago by the wife of a, a newspaper owner in Chicago and built kind of a, really a, an English estate. It's really, it's really a beautiful place. Uh, a lot of those, because they're at 120, are starting to have issues. Roofs are wanting to fall down, things like that. And, you know, when you're a Bible conference center, you don't want to be spending literally millions of dollars preserving 
towers mm -hmm. and things like that. But they, they're very fortunate that the, the lakeshore has been sold off to people with lots of money. Like the guy who owns Culver's, Mr. Culver, has a house there, summer home. And when you see these summer homes, you're like, that's your summer home? What's your other home like? You know, it's kind of crazy. So those folks, even though they don't have a heart for the mission of Green Lake, they do have a heart for the property mm -hmm. of Green Lake. And so um, there's a prayer tower up front that they've been working on. And some of our guys actually got involved in helping with that. So I got a really nice note. We wanted to thank the members of your church who come up to Green Lake Conference Center to help with the preservation efforts. The demolition and electrical work you completed on Gilded Prayer Tower was incredibly helpful and so very appreciated. We continue to make great progress on several of the water towers and, and you have, and we have you to thank for all that momentum. Thank you for giving of your time and your interest in this work. So uh, that's cool. That's uh, Jerry Stroman and uh, Michael Brown and, uh, and, and Dave Papish and uh, Mike Miller all involved in doing that work and it's it's really uh, it's just great to see our people again getting involved yeah. and helping really really cool okay. so what's going on with you well tonight we have a really really cool thing going on with our our high schoolers so uh, is this mystery night this is murder mystery oh night. wow yeah so after second service the gym is going to be kind of redecorated and if you're here there's carloads of things that are going to be coming in and oh boy and getting set up for for this evening we are running from 5 p.m to 8 p.m with our the program runs a little longer so uh, kids are going to be coming up in in western costumes and mm. i uh i know that everybody uh, got their roles a couple weeks ago julie's been like super on top of that and i i hear there's there's an element of the night where you're not only trying to figure out who the murderer is, but you're also trying to accumulate the most amount of money. Mm, and as one nice. of the, I'm not one of the primary characters. I'm basically Cactus 2. Okay, awesome. awesome. I am going to be, I, I'm making that my mission. So I'm, I'm putting it out there for all of our students to know. I'm going to try and make as much money as possible, whether that means... Lying, cheating, or stealing. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not going to... Murder, gonna... lying, cheating, stealing. Welcome to Southfield. <laughs> we love God and the Bible. I feel like it's, it's fair game if you tell them beforehand, right? I mean, just don't leave your money on the table. I will oh take it. My it word. will be mine. Cactus oh 2 coming word. at you. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So we'll, we'll have a lesson. Who are your parents? We'll have a lesson on, on uh, forgiveness and, <laughs> and everything afterwards. Oh, it's going to be one of those First John 1, 9 yes, lights, yeah, huh? Exactly. I can sin and then just fess yeah, up? No. Oh, my word. <laughs> this is heartbreaking. Just heartbreaking. Anything else you want to share? <clears throat> no, not really. Good. <laughs> We've been reading Proverbs together as a church, and I love the number of you that are jumping on that. And if, you know, if you're doing that Bible app, Find me, friend me, because I like seeing what you're reading. I like to heart it, and you're hearting it back, and we're keeping each other motivated and encouraged on doing that reading. Uh, what we're doing is we're reading the chapter that correlates with the date. So today is October 29th, and we're going to read chapter 30. I, I'm, I, seriously, we are, because we don't get a chance to read chapter 30 together, and chapter 30 is my favorite chapter of Proverbs. So it's so close that if you don't mind, let's pretend that it's the 30th today, okay? 
He and, told me uh, this on Wednesday. He's like, I'm going to throw everybody off. Can't even ask the front row what chapter we're right, reading today right. because we have to read chapter 30. This, this chapter is amazing because it's, it's by a, a man named Agar. And, um, and it's not your typical just like a line, a quote, or whatever. He has like this little building momentum thing. Three of these, yay, four, that kind of stuff. And, and I, there's one passage in here in particular that I think is, you know, in my top 25 passages in the Bible. So... Uh, we're going to do like we have. Instead of reading a verse at a time, uh, I put this on the screen according to the way it's broken out in the Bible. So we'll read a section, might have a comment on it, and then we'll move to the next. I'll let you start. And again, Agar of Jacob. The sayings of Agar, son of Jacob, contain this message. I am weary, O God. I am weary and worn out, O God. I am too stupid to be human. And I lack common sense. Thank you for letting me read the first one. <laughs> it sounds better from you. <laughs> that just makes more sense. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I have not mastered human wisdom, nor do I know the Holy One. So I just, I love the, the transparency, the honesty, the straightforwardness. Mm -hmm. God, I am weary and worn out. It's good to pray that. Mm -hmm. I am weary and worn out. I've had it. The next part says, Who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? Who holds the wind in his fist? Who wraps up the oceans in his cloak? Who has created the whole wide world? What is his name? What is his son's name? Tell me if you know. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. And we'll hear that again in the Bible, in Revelation. Don't you dare add to a, a word to the, to the word of God. Okay, here's, here's my favorite. Are you ready? Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me to never tell a lie. <laughs> second, and this is the part I love, second, give me neither poverty nor riches, Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? I think that's America. We're too rich. Who is the Lord? I have what I need. And if I'm too poor, I might steal. <laughs> and thus insult God's holy name. Okay, fine. I I'm won't so glad you it. said this. We didn't set this <laughs> up, but you need this proverb, man. <laughs> God inspired us doing this chapter. Woo! The, the stickers from the cactus are going the other way now. <laughs> All right. Never slander a worker to the employer, or the person will curse you, and you will pay for mm. it. Some people curse their father and do not thank their mother. They're pure in their own eyes, but they're filthy and unwashed. They look proud, proudly around, casting disdaining glances, they have teeth like swords and fangs like knives. They devour the poor from the earth and the needy from among humanity. The leech has two suckers that cry out, more, more. There are three things that are never satisfied. No, four that never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the thirsty desert, and the blazing fire. The eye that mocks a father and despises a mother's instruction will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. Share that one with your five-year-old. Okay, <laughs> here we go. 
There are three things that amaze me. No, four things that I don't understand. Hmm. How an eagle glides through the sky, how a snake slithers on a rock, how a ship navigates the ocean, and how a man loves a woman. I just love the way of those three, and then the fourth. Totally different, you know? I mean, he really, he catches your attention to go, wait, what? Hmm, okay. An adulterous woman consumes a man, then wipes her mouth and says, what's wrong with that? There are three things that make the earth tremble. No, four it cannot endure. A slave who becomes king, an overbearing fool who prospers, a bitter woman who finally gets a husband, and a servant girl who supplants her mistress. There are four things on earth that are small but unusually wise. Ants. They aren't strong, but they store up food all summer long. The Hyrexes. They aren't powerful, but they make their homes among the rocks. Locusts. They have no king, but they march in formation. And lizards. There's one, one kid book that I read to Ahmed all the time, and it's got a lizard, and I go, <laughs> lizards, they're easy to catch, but they're found even in the king's palaces. And if you've lived in St. Pete, you know what he's saying. So the hyrexes, they're also known as conies or rock badgers. I was curious. That's a hyrex. Don't you want one? Cute little dude. Look at his little paw. Oh, man. A little thing that's like it will chew your toes off. No, I'm, <laughs> Probably. I'm out. That's the next I'm verse. Out. Here we go. <laughs> there are three things that walk with stately stride. No four that strut about. The lion, king of animals, who won't turn aside for anything. The strutting rooster, the male goat, and a king as he leads his army. If you've been a fool by being proud or plotting evil, cover your mouth in shame. As the beating of cream yields butter, and striking the nose causes bleeding, so stirring up anger causes quarrels. Very good. I just want to say thank you for providing so many practical illustrations of the passage today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. That's awesome. You, have a, you, you go think about it for a little bit, okay? It's a Selah moment for you, my friend. All right. Well... We've been enjoying a great series together, trying to get to know just who we are as a church and what we're all about, especially if you're, you're newer with us and you've been wondering uh, what Southfield is all about. Uh, we've, we've been walking through our, our mission, the mission that God has given us, how we've performed that mission, how it happens, and, um, and then we're going to talk a little bit today about who we are in terms of personality. So, Michelle, is it there? There it is. Thank you so much. Um, we've been calling it Let's Do This Together. And part of what we've been trying to do is work through a handful of practices that we can, that we can work on this year to strengthen us as individuals, but to strengthen us as a church together. So we already talked about one of them. Every day we're reading a chapter of Proverbs from now to the end of the year. So now to December 31st. And then after the 31st, we'll have some other reading to do together but we're reading through that chapter that correlates uh, with the day. Then the next thing we're doing is three times a day we're praying. We're doing fixed hour prayer, but we're doing it kind of evangelical style instead of, instead of very strict. So instead of particular hours, it's morning when you wake up, sometime in the afternoon, and then as you go off to bed. The morning is praying through 
the Lord's Prayer in kind of an outline fashion. We're actually going to do that today before communion so that you know what that looks like. The afternoon prayer is praying for the lost. And what I've been finding myself doing is I'm often standing with someone who's lost when it's time. And I, I don't like stop and go, hey, can I pray for you? I know you're going to hell. Don't do that, right? But I'm literally just looking at them and praying for them that God will bring them to himself and praying for compassion for them and for other people who are lost and praying that God would give me opportunities to share faith with other people. And then the one we introduced last week was uh, let's be together. So we have read together, pray together, and then be together. And be together is this commitment that for seven minutes after church, we're going to stick around. We're going to hang out. We're not going to beat it out the door. We're going to stick around for seven minutes. I, I saw some of you last week. You literally you stood up and you turned and talked to the person behind you. That's one option. You know, find someone to go ahead and talk to in here or out in the hallway. I didn't really encourage you to look around for people who you can tell want to talk, but they're alone. They're alone. Walk up. Introduce yourself. Start connecting that way. Spend seven minutes together. We're going to have a timer up there every week so that you know the seven minutes are happening, okay? So I, I, I loved what happened last week, just seeing people hanging out and getting to know each other. Um, we've looked at these three things. We've looked at our calling. Our calling is why we're here. We're called to make disciples. We've looked at our actions our actions is, how, are we, how do we live out our calling? What are the actions that we do that make the calling happen? We saw that in, in Acts chapter 2. Today we're going to look at our personality, our unique style. Our church has a unique style, a unique way of accomplishing this. And we all, all organizations and all people have unique ways of accomplishing God's purposes. I love studying personality. I love learning about people's personalities. And right now I have a little project at home that shows up four days a week and I'm learning about personality all over again from a 10-month-old. You know how the little babies go from the vegetable state to all of a sudden, bing, the lights come on? And you're like, okay, something's happening here. It's been fun to start to figure out who Emmett's going to be, taking guesses at what he's going to be like. I didn't know Riley as a baby, but I've been told she was very happy. She's still very happy. Emmett will smile at a lamppost. He just, I mean, the kid is a nonstop smile. If you're one of those people that babies don't like you, go get cheered up by Emmett. He smiles at everyone and anyone. Axe murderer, hey, you're my friend. Doesn't matter. He's just, he's a happy, happy kid. I knew Brian as a baby, and um, one of the things about Brian is he wasn't a fan of the word no, and he has passed that on to the next generation, and so Kim will say, stop, stop to Emmett, and you can see Emmett, he literally smiles. Now, Brian would smile like, <laughs> forget you, lady. He, he smiles like, um, oh, you want to play this game? And he'll keep, and you know, when, I, when Brian was little, I thought it was just outright godless rebellion. And now, now I'm seeing, it's, it's really the basis of a competitive personality. He, you know, there's this competitive thing in him that goes, okay, I'm going to try. I'm, I'm going to go that little bit extra. I'm going to go, so it was competitive in you as well, because you are very competitive. It's fun to study personality. Churches have personalities, Honestly, I've seen churches that have grumpy personalities. I've seen churches that don't like kids. I've seen churches that really like themselves but don't like anybody else strange that comes walking in. 
I've seen churches that are tremendously generous. Uh, all kinds of different personalities in churches. And Southfield has a unique personality. I think it's given to us by God. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's handiwork, His workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to go do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. He put this gang together right now because he had specific things planned for Shanahan, Illinois, and the world in 2023 going into 24 that is for this group to do. This group has a unique personality. We're not like the Swedes that founded the church. We're different than them. And, and if we're around another 100 and almost 50 years, that gang will be different too. The personality morphs and changes. We have a unique personality. We express it on our website as our core values. We're not a church that figures out what's the five-year vision or the 25-year vision or whatever. What we really believe is that we're supposed to be working on who we are. And if we're working on who we are, God will give us opportunities. We weren't seeking out LifeWise. God gave us a heart for kids. God gave us a heart for discipleship. God gave us a heart, and then he brings along a unique opportunity in the moment, which, by the way, five more kids have signed up for that. It's just very, very fun. Very fun. And so it's not like we had a plan. This is what we're going to do. We look and say, God, how do you want to use who we are right now? So who, we are, who are we? Well, here's the first. It's not about me. It's not... We are not self-centered. We are not selfish. We are not navel-gazers. We're not always trying to figure out what we can get out of it. It's not about me. Luke chapter 15 covers this one beautifully. And honestly, if you know Luke 15, it's a little disturbing. It's a, a, a passage about the lost. And Jesus is telling it to the Pharisees who know they're very found in their eyes, and they don't like scummy sinners, right? And so Jesus says, I'm going to tell you some stories, parables. I want you to hear these. He says, I want you to imagine a shepherd. He has 100 sheep, and one of the sheep goes wandering away. And this shepherd is so concerned about that one wanderer that he leaves the 99 in the open field and goes looking for the one. And I'm telling you, there, there are a whole bunch of people when they hear this passage, a whole bunch of church people that kind of go, what? He leaves the 99 in an open field. There are commentators that actually say things like, well, the shepherd had hirelings, so they, they took care of the sheep. Or, or the open field was a safe place, no wolves there. He walked away from the 99 because he cared about the one. And in a lot of churches, 99 go, what about me? What about, you're looking for, what is it? come on, help me. It's about me. No, he says, it's not about us. It's about reaching the wanderer and bringing them safely home to God. So if he didn't get the point, he really drills it home in the third parable. This man has two sons. And the youngest son is, you know, he's a jerk. He goes to his dad and he says, hey, you're not quite dead yet. You're close, but I can't wait around. Give me my inheritance now. And dad gives him the money. And the Bible tells us very directly, he squandered it on wild living. And, and if you're wild living, prostitutes. He spent everything his dad had earned on prostitutes. A famine strikes, he's out of cash He's taking care of pigs. Kosher kids don't do that, right? 
And not only is he taking care of pigs, he's eyeing up their food in the mud and going, that looks tasty. And at that moment, light bulb comes on and he says, my dad's servants are treated better than this. I'm going to go back to my dad and say, just make me a slave. I'd be good with that. And we know that the father, the Bible tells us that the father is standing at the end of the road waiting. He's just every day looking out, wondering, will my kid come home today? And one day he sees a figure, and the figure gets larger. And when he recognizes the figure, he starts running. Dad starts booking. And he runs, and he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he has a party for that kid coming home. Meanwhile, literally, the older son is in the field working. And when he comes home and hears all the parties, like, what's going on? Your brother is back. Now, if your brother is back, he's not expecting a party. He's expecting condemnation. He's expecting dad to say, don't you dare come back. You are no longer my son. And instead, dad is celebrating. And it tells us the older brother is so angry, he won't even go in the house. And he has an interaction with the father in which the father says, you've got to come in. Your brother is home, but he leaves it up to him. In both cases, in both cases, Jesus is trying to make a point to us very, very clear. It is not about us. You know, sometimes we even make our prayers about us. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, give me this. God, give me that. We make life about us. And he says, all your life, what I've been trying to do is get you to release your grip. All your life, I've been trying to teach you to have your eyes up and your eyes out. Look to God, look to others, and stop staring at your belly button. He had a conversation with his disciples in Mark chapter 10. James and John come to Jesus and say, hey, when we get to heaven, could we have the reserved seats next to you? Could we have the good chairs? And I love the way this unfolds because Jesus is like, you don't even know what you're asking. The other disciples hear it, and they're, they're ticked off. Why? They didn't ask first. And they get really angry, and Jesus, Jesus just makes it really clear. He says, that's the way it works on earth. That's the way it works around here. But in heaven, whoever wants to be first must be the slave of everyone else. Don't miss it. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Even Jesus didn't come saying, what about me? And so in every possible way, we get our eyes off ourselves and we get our eyes on others and we get our eyes on God. I don't say this to brag. Do you know where I park on Sunday morning? Farthest spot away, unless I'm broken. There have been a few of those Sundays. But outside of that, farthest spot away. Why? I need to be reminded every week, it's not about me. It's not about me. We need that reminder constantly. So I'm at Green Lake and one of the housekeepers that we love, her name is Janet, Janet, uh, I'm walking my, my suitcase out into the car, and Janet sees me. She comes and literally, she turns off her car, which means we're going to talk a while. And um, <clears throat> we're talking. She's talking about all the improvements about the place and how things are so great, and she's amazed. She's also talking about the fact that she just had a hip replacement. And, and another woman comes walking up, and she just had a re knee replacement, and I just had the shoulder thing done. We're like a bionic trio standing here. And... Um, <clears throat> And she's, Janet starts telling this other woman about all the great things that are going on around here, about the beautiful laundry area that has finally been redone. This laundry area, folks, water used to flow down the hills. The people doing the laundry would be standing in water as they're getting the laundry out of the van. It was not heat regulated at all. It, it's Wisconsin winter. It would, and when it was 10 below outside, it was zero inside. It was cold and they were working in there. It was immoral. It was wrong. 
And Janet's talking about all this wonderful stuff. And what she doesn't realize is the person that she's telling all this to is the one that paid the bill. She's the one that gave the quarter million dollars to see it done. And you know what she never did? That woman never said, oh, that's what I was hoping when I made the gift. She never said, yeah, thank you. Yeah, go ahead, say it, thank you. Total humility. God wants us to walk in total humility. But too many of us want to just click that spotlight a little. Get that just right. There I am. It's not about me. It's not about me. The second one, we aspire to be authentic. Lots of places say, you know, we want to be real. We want to be real. I believe that the longer you're around Southfield, you will see genuine authenticity. People who are real. What does that look like? You know, Paul in Philippians, by, it's, by the way, it's Philippians, not the Philippines, but anyway. <laughs> got that. I love autocorrect. It's my favorite. So the Philippines are telling us today <laughs> that um, <clears throat> he had quite a spiritual pedigree, and yet when you look at part of his pedigree, it was, it was what? I used to persecute the church. I used to take you Christians off to prison, and some of you died because of me said, you know, I thought those things matter, but now I consider them all worthless. The word is literally dung for the sake of knowing Christ. Everything is worthless compared to knowing Christ. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his suffering so that I might be connected with him in his resurrection. He goes on to say, I don't mean I've already achieved or have come to perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection of which Christ has taken possession of me. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not fo- achieved, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to lies what ahead. I will press on to reach the end of the race and reach the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul says out loud to the believers, I thought I was really good. I was a mess. I needed Jesus. And he says it out loud and he lets them know what he did wrong. In another place, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says, we have this treasure in clay pots. He says, the best I am is a broken pot. Authentically, I am nothing unless, unless Jesus is doing something through me. He says, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, we're struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our bodies, so the life of Jesus may be displayed in our bodies, so that people can see that it's not about the pot, it's about Jesus, it's about who Jesus is. We believe in being authentic. What does that look like? We're transparent about transformation. We're letting, willing to let you know where we've been and what we've gone through. We're transparent about it. You don't have a bunch of spiritual pretenders here. Sometimes you walk into a church and you're like, are these people real? This is just, this is a different universe. These people aren't like me. I promise you, these people are like you. Broken, sinful, with rough pasts. And if you'll take time to get to know some of us, you'll find out we were a mess. And we've been transformed. Authenticity means I'm quick to own my transgressions. I don't blame someone else for my sin. I don't, I don't hold somebody else accountable for the reason I'm mad at them. Quick to own my transgressions. And we don't live to impress. 
This is the least impressive group of people you've ever met. <laughs> and I'm chief least impressive. We don't live to impress. We live to serve. We live to know God. We live to do ministry authentically. That's what matters to show people that they can have a real connection with God through Jesus Christ. Not because they're perfect, but because they're a mess and need Jesus. Which brings us to the third. Come as you are, be ready to transform. Come as you are, be ready to transform. Churches have a lot of neat slogans, open minds, open hearts, and you know, a place to belong, all these things. One of the slogans that was popular for a while, and is still with some, is come as you are. Come as you are. I'm glad for that. I grew up in a church where you did not come as you were. You, you got perfect before you showed up to church. And it was usually shown in the way you dressed, right? You dressed right. If you weren't dressed right, you'd be in trouble. In fact, we as kids, do you remember just as I am? Just as I am without one plea, but that my blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. We'd sing, just as I am, without my jeans, but that thy blood. We weren't allowed to wear jeans to church. And so we'd throw in jeans instead of plea. It made more sense to us. There were things we were not allowed to do, wear, be at church. I distinctly remember one time, this is the 70s, all right? Lady come, came walking in, mascara painted, and she had a mini skirt on. Miniskirts were the devil, right? And she had this miniskirt on. She came walking down the middle aisle. And I'm not kidding. It's a Sunday night. The pastor changed his sermon on the spot to talk about miniskirts for the next 45 minutes. We all knew why he did it. I wasn't wearing a miniskirt. You didn't dare show up in the wrong clothes. Come as you are. We believe in come as you are. Jesus believed in come as you are. He talked to a Samaritan woman at the well that had had a whole bunch of husbands and was living with this guy. He, he was willing to talk to a woman who was caught in adultery. I always laugh. Where's the dude? Only the woman. Adultery takes two, you know? But anyway, Zacchaeus, this cheating, rotten tax collector, he sees him in a tree. Come on down. We have a conversation with him. He heals this guy at the pool of Bethesda, and he makes clear... Don't sin again, or it might come back to haunt you. He was willing to hang out with people who were broken and sinful. He said, come as you are. The Pharisees hated that. They wanted you to get all washed up and scrubbed up before you, before you showed up to synagogue. Jesus said, come as you are, exactly as you are. But be ready to be transformed. You know how I know he says that? Where'd your accusers gone? They're gone. I don't accuse you either. Now go your way and sin no more. He doesn't say stay the way you are. You don't go to an AA meeting to find other people you can drink with. Right? You go to an AA meeting to find people who can help you get out of the mess you're in. Heard a great story recently of a guy who he's stuck down in a hole. Another guy comes walking along. He says, I'm stuck down in a hole. Help me. And he jumps down in the hole. He said, what in the world are you thinking? He says, I've been in this hole before. I know how to get out. That's what it means. Come as you are. And we who have started this process of transformation can help you out of the hole too. But what we're not happy to do is say, hey, you like the hole? That's a sweet place for you. 
It is not loving to let people stay stuck in their sin. It's selfish. It's hateful to let people stay stuck in their sin. Next one, we speak this generation's language. I know some of you have had this experience. You walk into church and you feel like, I just entered a different universe. I don't know what they said. They were speaking in something that didn't sound like the way we talk, certainly the way we talk today. We speak this generation's language. Paul did. When I first came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plans. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever words and persuasive speech, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. We speak in this generation's language. How did Jesus speak? Why did he use parables? Why why didn't he go all lofty? Why does he use these, these stories? Because people could understand. What good does it do if a person comes to church and they don't understand what's going on? Now, here's what we understand, and we believe this. Methods morph, the message remains the same. We don't do what we did in 1881. We were actually founded that year, a month after Billy the Kid died. Imagine that. We don't do what we did in 1939. We don't do what we did in 1995. Methods morph. But the message is constant. Absolutely constant. Some of the things that means for us, mean for us, we use Bible translations that speak American English. I want you to be able to open the Bible and go, oh, that's what that means. Instead of going, what in the world am I reading The very first verse I ever learned as a little kid, first grader, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost for those who love God and are called by him. And I remember for about five years wondering where the uttermost was. Look up Hebrews 7.25 in a plain American English Bible and you find out. I want want a a 13-year-old to be able to understand what we're talking about on Sunday morning. Because if a 13-year-old can't understand what we're talking about on Sunday morning, why in the world are they here? We need to speak plainly. We need to steer away from Christianese. God is not impressed when you, when you throw on all the, all the Christianese all the time. He wants plain-spoken people. And we keep the cookies on the bottom shelf. I, I think generally most people would listen to me and go, huh, I could have done that. We don't impress. We try to help people understand what the Bible has to say so that they can live it on Monday morning. I would add to this, I almost want to say we speak the next generation's language, not meaning that next week I'm going to have skinny jeans and tattoos and gauges. When 60-year-old men do that, just stop that. What's wrong with you? But I want to make sure we speak in such a way that there is a next generation. You know what was beautiful this morning? All the people walking up with little kids. Do you know how many churches in this community would long for one little kid? And you know why a lot of them didn't ha- don't have one little kid? Because they didn't like little kids when there were a bunch of them. I-, I hate to tell you, there are people who have not liked this value of ours and have gone somewhere else because they think we emphasize kids too much. You, you can't emphasize kids. Kids are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of now. I say it again. I was heartbroken yesterday. 
opening that door, or for, uh, for Thursday, opening that door at Green Lake and being alone without the kids. Most pastors would be thrilled the little rugrats are finally gone. They missed them. We speak our generation's language and hope that it's the language that the next generation is hearing as well. Finally, we give our best and give our all. We used to word this this way, excellence honors God and inspires people. And when people hear that, it starts to morph into something else. They think it means perfection honors God and inspires people. If we can be perfect, God will be happy and people will be inspired. In reality, perfection honors the perfectionist, and it paralyzes people. I can't do it that well. No, we give our best and we give our all. The Bible says we're supposed to give our best and give our all. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, work hard so you can present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Work at it. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for humans. When we do things well, it honors God. You're serving the king of the universe. Couldn't you try a little harder? Couldn't you do a little better? Couldn't you bring the best of who you are? And that's why we say we give our best and our all because my best is different than your best. You don't have to do what I can do, and I don't have to do what you can do. We, we bring the best we can bring to honor God, and it inspires people when they see people doing and bringing their best. <clears throat> Every once in a while, someone will say something like this. That's good enough. What do you mean when you say that's good enough? Sometimes it means you don't need any more than that. Sometimes it means I've done everything I can do. That's good enough. But God wants us to bring our best to him. He wants us to bring our best to him. To reframe the word excellence, I like to use this word. Beauty honors God and inspires people. I think when people see something beautiful, when you bring something beautiful to God, that that honors him. And when you see something, you go to the Grand Canyon and you go, God, what in the world were you up to? You're inspired. I was telling the story this week at Green Lake of Shelley taking me out to the middle of the prairie and turning on the song Wonder that she had just introduced weeks before and laying and looking at the night sky of Wisconsin, which is totally different than when you have nuke plant lights going up in the sky. They actually have stars, and you're looking at all this beauty, and you're overwhelmed by beauty. And so much of our world today ignores beauty. This is a steel-structured church, and having said that, we tried to do everything we could to make sure it felt beautiful. Because beauty honors God and inspires people. I'm going to ask you a question. Say it out loud. What's the opposite of beauty? Ugly? How about this? Chaos. The opposite of beauty is chaos. A total confusing mess. The Bible literally says everything should be done decently and in order. And I've got to tell you, people notice. I can't tell you how many people we, time we have a, a, a person working or a, a visitor walk in the door and say, this place, what the hell? It's like clean. You, you actually clean your children's rooms? What? I mean, Emmett right now eats everything on the floor. You don't need a Roomba. Just call Emmett. 
Beauty honors God and inspires people. We do try to give our best and give our all, and we challenge people when they want to say that's good enough. And by it, they mean, here, God, here's some slop. Eh, good enough for God, good enough for the church, good enough for other people. They wouldn't eat it, they wouldn't do it. Good enough. It's not about me. We aspire to be authentic. Come as you are, be ready to transform. We speak this generation's language. We give our best. We give our all. So we're going to read together, pray together, be together, and we're going to be us together. And we're going to enjoy doing that. I'll tell you at the end of the service where we're going next week. Different series. Father God in heaven, I thank you for the unique creation you've placed in this room. I thank you for the way you've grown our hearts to be a beautiful church. I pray that you would continue that growth within us. You can choose whether you want to keep your head bowed or lift your head to God. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer right now, the way we're praying it in the morning. So it starts with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you just stop right now and realize you're in the presence of a holy God? Be quiet before him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can you fairly quickly identify something you're trying to control right now? Would you think of that thing, look to God and say, God, you are God and I am not. I release it, I give it to you. Give us this day our daily bread. Tell God two or three things right now you need or you desire. Let him know. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. What a perfect time right now before taking communion to acknowledge the areas that there is sin in your life that you're not willing to let go. Let the Spirit reveal to you an attitude, a thought, a person against whom you're holding a grudge. Ask for forgiveness and a fresh start. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Would you pray in your heart right now, God, protect me and my family from Satan and his demons. Evil is actively working against us. Pray for God's protection. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So we'll go to communion now, and as we do, I was was sent a song yesterday that kind of goes along with what we talked about last week. The words are amazing. It talks about the fact that this place, this is not our home. As much as we love to call the world home, our houses home, whatever it may be, this place is not my home. What a beautiful reminder as we go to communion. We're not home yet. We will be soon. We're not home yet. 
a stranger in my own skin. There is something inside of you that tells you we're not there yet. And in the meantime, we take in beauty and we enjoy it because it's a reflection of who God is. A piece of that beauty is sharing, singing together. So let's go ahead and stand. So beautiful. By the way, that song, Driving in the Car, High Volume, great to sing to. It's wonderful. Just a fantastic message. So as we head on our way, don't forget, this is the week of National Candy Collection and I like to have extra at my house for church kids, but you just got to let me know you are. You know, when you're wearing the mask, I have no idea who you are, so make sure you let me know. We'd love to have something for you. Next week, we're going to break into a series. I have people ask me a lot of times, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what God wants. And so we're going to talk about how in the world do you discern the will of God? How do you figure out what in the world He wants you to do? I know one thing He wants you to do. Stick around for the next seven minutes. <laughs> talk to your friends. See you later.